you've been with us the last few weeks, and we have been in a series called Better Together. This whole series has been based out of the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bibles, because I believe you brought your Bibles, because we're a Bible-believing church, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And for time's sake, while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse 1. Chapter 4, in verse 1 through 12, it says this. Again, I observed all the oppressions that take place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. Does this sound familiar to our culture right this minute? So I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. But most fortunate of all are those who are not yet born, for they have not seen all the evil that is done under the sun. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Amen. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Verse 7, it says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Who am I giving up so much pleasure now? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is also meaningless and depressing. Here's where it gets, gets interesting. Verse 9, two people are better off than one. If you underline something in your Bible, can you underline that piece right there? Two people are better off than one. Okay. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. There is no better time than right now for us as the body of Christ, as believers, as the church, to come together. Amen. Not just assemble on Sundays, not just show up for meetings, but to actually come and become one. This is the house of God. And you and I, regardless of our differences that we might have, assemble because of two things. The God we serve and the fact that when we join with each other, we are better together. Now, this is a hard concept because culture has said, do it on your own. You don't need anybody's help. Movements has said, you don't need anybody's help, which is completely contradictory to what the Bible says, which now makes sense to me because the enemy has been trying to lure us away from the true truth of the word of God into what the world wants from us because isolation breaks the destiny that God has for you. Because let me help you with something. God never intended for you to inherit the promise by yourself. God never said, go get it by yourself. He said, run the race with endurance, but understand that in order to run a race, there are other people running as well. You do not run a race by yourself, finish the finish line, and then say, I won the race. No, you just ran a really long distance. And unfortunately, that's what we're doing now. We're not running with the intention of doing it with others. We're running it with the intention of me. Me, me, me. And God says, I didn't come for you, you, you. I came for the we, we, we. 
I came for the us, not the you, not just the you. And so when we get in this mindset of thinking that it's all about me, then we miss out what God's purpose is for our lives to go into all the world and preach the good news. We miss the opportunities to bring the gospel to others. We miss the opportunity to love others. We miss the opportunity to share the kingdom of God, and we hoard it for ourselves. You want to know why the gospel is not given away today? Because somewhere along the line, we were convinced that we might lose it, that we might misplace it. That if we laid it down, somebody might steal it. Let me help you with something. No one can steal the gospel from you if it's embedded on the inside of you. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is on the inside of you, no man can uproot it unless you freely give it. So if you go, well, I had, I had Jesus, but, I, but, I, but somebody stole it because I... No, you just weren't using it properly. You weren't utilizing it for your own life and you laid it down somewhere. The thing is, is that we've got to get to this point where we desire relationship together. Can I just say this to you? Jesus was a great preacher, but man, he was even better at relationship. But we have been, we have been, we've become catty with each other. We've become judge, judging of each other. We've, we, we, oh, Father, we worship you. But did you see that one sitting on the back row back there? God, you're the greatest God on the earth. I love my church, but that one over there, God, you need to touch them. They got issues. Man, if we spend as much time pointing at ourselves as we do others, we might get something shifted. But we spend all of our time trying to point out everybody's flaws. And I've said this for years. The only reason we point out everybody's flaws is because we're afraid somebody might see ours. And for some reason, we don't think God sees it. Like God is sitting in heaven going, I don't see it. I, I, I govern the whole kingdom. I govern the entire atmosphere, but I don't see that one problem. I just can't see it. I'm blind to it. No, God sees us, but he says, listen, I put other people on the earth for a purpose. I put them on the earth so you'd stop doing it by yourself. There is strength in numbers. And just in case you were wondering, there's a whole book called Numbers just to prove a point. There's strength when we come together. Look, look, if you came to church this morning and I was standing here and you were there by yourself, would you feel really great? Your question would be, where is everybody? This pastor must be horrible. They're just killing people around here. Just nobody's there but me. This church is falling apart. Why? Because success is determined by the people that are around you. When I, when I was younger and I played football, the, the defensive line coach always said this. He said, you can be the toughest guy on the line, but you are only as strong as the one that's linked up next to you. Because when that ball is hiked, it is not just you anymore. It is the entire line. But we think, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take this on by myself. So over the last few weeks, I've been dealing with this perspective of we have to come together again as the body. As the body. You might be an arm. You might be a leg. You might even be a toe. But we can't do it without you. We have to do it together. And so we've been sitting in this. And so in week one, we dealt with Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and 10, where it says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Sound like truth? Amen. Why is it we're okay with people falling though? No, let's be honest. Why are we okay with it? Because let me say you something. If you can look from afar and watch them fall, you're okay with them falling. Because this is what the church does. Oh, Lord, touch them, bless them. I'm not going to get involved, though. God, you do all the work. God says, I, I built you to do the work. I put breath in your body to do the work. Why are you sitting there watching them fall? Well, God, if you're God, you'll help them. He said, but I'm God in you. And if I'm God in you, get off your blessed assurance and go help them. 
go tend to them. You are tending to the sheep in my flock. I need you to go and help them. But God, that's not my job. Then whose job is it? God, it's your job. Then take God out of your heart and put him back on the floor. Put him back on the shelf and say, God, I don't want to be used by you. People say to me, Pastor, I want to know how to be used by God. Get up. Just, just get up and do something. Get up and go do something. Well, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear the clarion call, the trumpet sound, and the clouds to split, and the sun to shine through, the, the storm clouds, and for me to hear my voice audibly, Brian, get up. It hasn't happened yet. But yet we're waiting for this moment of God. And this is what it is. It's that still small voice that says, hey, can you pray for them? Oh, God, come on. For real, why, why me? Why, why do I got to be the one to? God, come on. Because I pointed you and chose you for such a time as this. But, but God, you could have picked Johnny over here. Or you could have picked Tiffany over here. You could have picked Judah over here. You could have picked Ben. Why you got to choose me right now? Because I govern and ordain everything. There's nothing that you do when you call yourself mine that is on your own. It is done with me and through me. So when you go into a Walmart simply just to buy your groceries and somebody ends up on your aisle that you know needs prayer, I'm going to break this down to you because you need to see this. They were put there by God for his purpose so he could use you for his glory so you could be a carrier of more than just your own baggage you could be a carrier of the power of God and demonstrate the power of God so that the world could see the power of God so you could walk out and say I'm more than just a human body a carcass with some blood running through it I am a carrier of the anointing of the power of God so when you get into Walmart and you think you're just there to pick up your toiletries baby somebody came on that aisle because they needed to hear the word of the Lord when will the church wake up and finally realize that that you were not called to come to an altar so you could walk into heaven because here's the prerequisite of heaven you got to do it here on earth because here's what we want we want we want to go to an altar ask christ to come in our hearts and then quit well i, I got saved what else is required of me that's like getting married and never telling my wife i love her that's like getting married and never tending to my wife when she's sick. That's like getting married and never appro approaching her with love and dignity and respect. That's like just expecting her to be my wife just because I stuck a ring on it. No, there is a relationship. It is work. It is daily. It is consistent. If I get up in the morning and I walk out the house and I don't tell her goodbye, even if she's laying in the bed like this, somehow, even though she's asleep and I didn't say nothing, she knows I didn't tell her goodbye. And I'm going to get a phone call about 45 minutes later. Where are you at? I went to work. You didn't tell me bye. You were sleeping. I didn't want to wake you up, but, but you didn't tell me bye. I'm sorry. See, this is the thing is that we, we have this concept that, well, if I, if I go to God and I, and I give my life to God and I come to the altar when pastor gives the altar call, then I've done my part. Let, let me help with something. The altar is the kickstart. It is not the life. The altar is the kickstart to the existence. I'm going to lay my life down and pick up his. I'm going to lay my junk down and pick up his cross. And I'm going to carry that cross when I walk out of this place. And I'm going to carry his promises. And I'm going to walk with him. And I'm going to talk with him. And I'm going to spend my time with him. But we don't do that anymore. We just want God to fix the now. Fix me in the moment. Don't fix me for eternity. So in the first week, we dealt with Luke chapter 5, verse 18 through 19. We're talking about the lame man. And it says in verse 18, it says, Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowds. Let me just say this real quick. 
Sometimes you don't have to be acquainted or know somebody to be better together. The four men did not know the lame man. They just saw the lame man. They saw his condition. Sometimes God just needs you to see the condition of man. He doesn't need you to be friends with the man. He doesn't need you to be best friends. Well, I I didn't pray for him because I didn't know him. Let me say this to you. That has killed believers all across the globe. It's because we won't pray for people we don't know. But maybe you were the one to pray for the person you don't know so that you could bring the God to the one who does not know. Okay, so sometimes we we want to act as if, well, that's not my responsibility because I don't know them. That's their responsibility. No, it's our responsibility. And it goes on in verse 19. It says, so they went up to the roof and took took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Let me give you another kicker out of that one first week. In order for us to be better together, we must lead each other to Jesus and not ourselves. You are not the source. Dependency on man will corrupt your pursuit of Jesus. If you think I'm your source, you'll stop seeking God. That's what's been broken in the church for a long time is that we've made the pastor God and we put God off the throne. Let me tell you this, just another sidebar. Politically, we put the presidential candidates on the throne and took God off the throne. Can I, can I just sidebar for two seconds? Sidebar for two seconds. Just Jesus help me. There was some kind of big old march this weekend. Could you imagine if all those people showed up to church? And for those of you that are watching that showed up to the march, instead of standing on the street and screaming out for a president, why don't you go to church and scream out for the things of God? Sidebar. Come off my political space. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Dependency on man will corrupt your pursuit of Jesus. No wonder we don't want God. We want everything else. Be careful because if we're not not careful in this moment, the culture will start to scream for Barabbas and still crucify Jesus all over again. In Luke chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to them, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith got the man his healing? Whose faith? It wasn't the man's faith. It was the four, four men's faith that brought the man who was lame's healing. Listen, listen, listen. Sometimes it will require your faith to help someone out of their moment of despair. They might not have enough faith, but you do. Stand up. Step up. Step out. Speak up. Do something more than just carry your little cute Bible to church on Sunday and play the part. No wonder we're isolated now because we're playing Halloween on Sundays. Dressing up like somebody else. But on Mondays, no one knows who we are because what we portrayed on a Sunday is not who we operate as on a Monday. Well, I'll pray for the ones in the church, but the ones outside the church, I can't, not my calling. Man, could you imagine if Jesus would have done that to you in your sin? I'll save the ones who call me the Messiah, but the ones who reject me, no, they're going to hell. He said, I did it for all of them. Sometimes it requires your faith to help someone out of their moment of despair so that we can be better together. And then last week, we dealt with Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And I made Pastor Ben hold up a bar above his head for 15 minutes. That was epic. Because we talked about the story of Moses when, he was, when, when the Israelites were battling with the, with the tribe from Amalek in, in Exodus chapter 17. And it says in verse 11, it says, As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. But it also says in verse 12, Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. And I, it hit me. It hit me like a freight train. Moses was appointed by God to lead the Israelites to the promised land. And the stick that God gave him, the staff that God gave him and said, you'll use this, was to demonstrate his power. But just because you have the power and the assignment does not mean that you are capable of never becoming weary. 
Because what we tend to do is we go, well, I have God and I have the anointing. Therefore, I can't get weak. Yes, you can. You are human. You have the ability to grow weary in well-doing. Although the word says don't do it, it's obvious that we can still do it. And it goes on in that next part of verse of verse 12. It says, so Aaron and Ur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Moses was able to go on because Aaron and Ur brought Moses rest and stayed the course. They brought him a chair. They said, look, find you some rest. Didn't say, here, put the staff down. We'll hold it for you. They could not take the responsibility of what Moses' responsibilities were. But they said, first of all, let's bring rest. Let me say this to you. If we're going to be better together, we need to bring each other rest, not bring each other more turmoil. If you're a causer of division and turmoil, you need to ask God to get your heart fixed. Because you will find yourself alone because nobody wants to be around somebody who can't ever be happy. And if you like being around people that are unhappy, you need to ask God to deliver you from some stuff. Can I just be honest with you? I don't like complainers. It drives me nuts. Like, what do you really have to complain about? Are you dead? Are you dead? Pam just went through how much chemo? How many months? Six months of chemo. Not one time, not once did I ever hear her complain about chemo. Every time I talked to her, this is all I heard. I'm just believing it's going to be the last one I got to do. I'm just believing this one. And then she had to go back. I believe this is going to be the last one I got to do. Not out of complaint, but out of faith that God still saves, delivers, and set free. But we, we get a, well, I don't have this, or I don't have that, or so-and-so got this, and so I don't understand why they have it, and I don't have it. Shut up. My wife likes to throw this one at me all the time. If you complain, you remain. So the more you complain, the more you stand still. Your complaints are stopping your progress forward. You wonder why you can't get to the things that God has for you? It's because you keep complaining about the God that you say you serve. Because let me help you with something. The moment you complain about what you don't have, what you're telling God is that he's not enough to give you what you do have. See, you got to learn how to celebrate when you're driving the Pinto, not when you're driving the Mercedes. Got what I'm saying? you got to celebrate God when you're living in the trailer, not when you're living in the 10-bedroom house. Well, if I could just get to this level. Baby, I hate to break this to you. Unless you steal your way there, you're not getting there. Because God's not going to reward those who edit. Who poop on his blessings. Because here's what we do. We complain about what we don't have. What do you have? What, the woman with the, with, the, with, the, with the oil. She What did Elijah say? He said, instead of what you don't have, what do you have? Well, all I have is this. That's enough. Bring me jars. Let's fill them. Some of y'all, I'm doing some biblical, some theological storyline with you real quick. You're going, wait, where's that story? The woman who was destitute to lose everything. They were having to pay off her husband's debts who had died. And, and Elijah comes in the room and says, what do you have? I don't have anything. All I have is this, this oil. He goes, that's enough. Bring it to me. Not realizing that the value was in the oil all along. And then God's anointing showed up. And then they kept filling jar after jar after jar until it paid off all of her debts. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's in you to do it. Just do it. It's like a Nike commercial on Sunday mornings. Just get up and do it. So Aaron and Ur found a stone, and then they, then they went next to him, and they said, listen, we'll lift up your arms while you... In other words, don't take your hand off what God's called you to do, but understand that God's placed people around you to give you strength while you do it. 
If you ever find yourself in a moment where you're weary in the middle of what doing what God's told you to do, I can guarantee you, you have not surrounded yourself with people that support you in what you're doing. Let me take a step back. It says that Moses went up to the hilltop with Aaron and Ur. He didn't take any other Israelites with him. Why? Because Aaron and Ur understood the mission that Moses had. Everybody else was complaining about the promise hadn't come to pass yet. He didn't say, Israelites, let's go up to the hill. Let's not fight the Amalekites. He said, no, no, y'all go ahead. We're going to go up here. Aaron and Ur, I need you to come with me. Because he knew that if he got weary, Aaron and Ur would go, we got you. We'll hold you up through this moment because we know what God's purposed you for. Be careful that you don't think everybody has to be where you're going. Abraham had to separate from Lot in order to inherit the promise. Not everybody's going to walk into the promise God has for you. Amen. So now I want to get into the last part. All that, and we're still not in the last part? No, we're not. Because this is when it gets good for me. Once we realize that we're better together and that we're not meant to do life alone, and just when we realize that two are better than one, Scripture brings us to the last part of verse 12. That three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I want to say this to you. I think we love to quote this scripture, but we have no idea what it means. We, 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 we read it and we go, oh, that sounds really good. Like we do most scripture, well, it sounds really good, but we do not apply it to our own world. See, see this right here. This is a triple braided cord. It's got three pieces of rope that are intertwined together. Now, just one piece has strength, but it's not as strong as this is. And he says, listen, I've called you to this. But this is how you look. I've called you to be this. But this is what you're trying to build the strength of your life on right now. This is what you're trying to fight the enemy with right now. But I've called you to this. This is the enemy's assignment. This is the promised blessings of God. This is you dying. This is you living. You go, Pastor, how? I'm going to prove it to you this morning. Uh, let's see. I, I got I got to. You know, Scott, can you come here for a second? Because you're a big guy. Come here. Come here. You're, you're a big guy. You're a big guy. Big guy. Big guy. Ah, who else do I want to pick on this morning? Yeehaw. This is fun. You know, Caleb, come here for a second because you'll, you'll drive the point home real good. There, there's, a, there's a stature difference here. Would you agree with this? There's, there's a problem with this moment right now. Hold up. They're about to put these two against there. Yeah, but there had to be a David and a Goliath. Okay. So, so this is you. I know you're like, Pastor, that's not nice. So I want you to hold this in. Now, now I don't want you to be like, oh, I'm going to wrap it up. And, okay, I just want you to hold the rope, okay? And I want you to take this end. Now, I want you to spread out that rope for me for a second and stand on each side. Now, this is your life, right? Now, now I notice... Scott's over here because he's bigger. He's like, I got the end of this thing. I don't need to grab a bunch of rope because I got this boy. <laughs> Y'all see how far he's down on the end over here, right? Now, you see how much peace Caleb's got over here, right? <laughs> Caleb's like, Scott, I got three feet. Just in case I got to let a bit go, I'm still in the game, right? And this is how we approach life because we realize we got to be a little ahead of it rather than in it. Okay, so then life comes and there's some tension. Man, now, come on, put some tension on that bad boy. Now, Caleb, Caleb, I know, I get it, bro. This is life. This is life. Okay, now y'all just stay there for a second. No, don't, don't get lax on me because this is life. Life doesn't stop just because you want it to stop. There are three distinct parts to, this, to a rope, to a cord. And strength is found when it's whole. The problem is we have a tendency to want to do things on our own, single-stranded. 
single-stranded. Watch this, one strand, one piece, us alone, by ourselves. All throughout Scripture, God talks about the power that being together brings, but it all started at creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So if, if you're wondering if this is a new concept, it's a new, trend, new, new, new Testament version of you, God, now he just realized that it was better off for us to be, have people around us. No, he started at creation and said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. Even at creation, God said it was not good to be alone. And that's why he made woman. Here's the problem of being alone. The big guy represents adversity and struggle, strife and the issues of life. And now you probably think you can handle whatever life throws at you but it's just you. It's, it's just you. Are you tired of pulling? Y'all getting lax in this rope. Y'all better slow down now. Because life doesn't quit, Scott. It doesn't quit, man. There you go. Give it a look. It's called an illustrated sermon. Amen. All right. But in verse 9 of the first part of this chapter in, four in Ecclesiastes, it says two people are better off than one for they can help. So slow down for a second. Let it loose for a second. Uh, Judah, come here for a second. Because you notice I'm using smaller guys, right? Because here's the thing. I think we think that we have to be big in stature in order to win where God's called us to be. God says, come just as you are, and I'll do it through you. So now you're going to get one of these ropes. Now watch. Here's the great part. You can let Scott take each one of y'all's ropes and fight him or stop. You could twine your ropes together and find out that together you're stronger. So watch. Start twining. Start twining. Now, you don't understand it. They're looking at each other going, what do we do? We don't know what to do. Because here's the truth of it. In order to come together, you have to communicate. Work it. Here, Caleb, come down here. You guys are going to take both of y'all. Work it together. Now, now, while they're doing this, I need you to understand this for a second. Here's the problem with the church today. We don't talk to each other. We talk about each other. We don't break bread with each other. We watch people go starving. We don't spend time to get to know one another. We just watch each other go through hell, and then we go, well, at least it's not me. See, in order for them to work this thing together, which slowly, if you notice, it's starting to take on a look of a rope. Now, just for time's sake, because I, I knew this was going to happen, because I come prepared, amen. Let me have this. Throw that aside. Here you go. There's a two-braided cord right there. That is the byproduct of two people coming together, finding out that they gain strength from each other. Now watch this. Watch. Here's the kicker. Go ahead, life. Take your rope back. But watch what happens. You're not each holding onto one rope. You're both holding on together. Now, I still understand the stature of Scott. Now, now come this way a little bit because there's an expensive keyboard behind you, and I don't need y'all dying today, okay? So, or, or me having to spend more money, okay? So, so now, Scott, I, I need you to put some pressure on this, but watch this. It's not as hard, is it, Caleb? Why? Because two are better than one. He says, listen, I, I didn't just call you to be by yourself. I called you to allow people in to walk this walk with you, to live this life with you. I need you to understand that... that, that in order for you to do this, you're going to have to communicate in this life. Not post, not like, not friend, not defriend. Communicate. Here's the problem today. No matter what social media says, many of us are still all alone trying to succeed. You can tell me you got a thousand friends, but really you have. Because when you're down and out, they don't check to see where you are. They're just making sure that you're not worse off than they are. 
We must get back to communicating to one another with intention. Here's the greatest part. Once you've entwined, you share the burden because Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 through 3 says this. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I don't know. I'm just going to be the single guy. I, I wouldn't tow your car out of a ditch with this. You're going to stay stuck. And in fact, you show, Pastor, I need somebody to come get me out the, the culvert at my house. I'm stuck. And I show up to, with my car in this. You go, my Pastor, that, that, mm -mm. That, that's, that's not going to do anything for me, Pastor. That, what, what are you thinking? Well, I thought I could do it in my own power. No, we have to come together. But it says in there, in verse 12, it says, but three are even better. Pastor Ben, come here. There you go. Now, that's right in the face. <laughs> See, I thought that string was weak until it smacked you in the eyeball and then it's over. Now, okay. now, now, now here's the truth of it. And I'm not going to ask you to intertwine it because that one strand becomes this. He's like, I wasn't even trying anyway, Pastor. What are you talking about? Now that, that becomes this, which you can, it two, you can decide to keep being two, or you can just go on with the three. Now, now this can go all kinds of different ways. This can be, this can be. Now, Scott, see, Scott's going, I still got him, dog. I got him. <laughs> but in the back of his head, there's a little bit of doubt. Amen? Like, I think I can, but he's not the little engine that could. I think I can take him, but I'm not quite sure if I can defeat him because I keep looking at three people staring back at me. See, when you got more people around you, your problem gets a little bit nervous. When it's just you, your problem's coming for you. Y'all see this light twitching over my head? Amen. They're like, whoa, it's a party up here. Amen. So not only does the communication have to happen, in order to entwine the third stand, but strand, but you now have three people against one. Now you can do this one way. You could have the, look, we got smoke machines. The devil is mad right now. He is not, he is not, demons are manifesting up here. Amen. Katie, if you do me a favor and just slowly turn those lights off for me, I appreciate that because that's driving me nuts. Just cut the floor off. That'll be fine. So, so, so now you've got Ben who's got the front of it. You got Judah who came and said, and then Caleb's still on the backside of this. Now watch this. How much weight do you think you're going to have to pull? Why? Because he brought others around to help him carry the load. How much longer do you think you're going to handle the issues of life by yourself? you got to let people come in around you and build you strength. But here's what I started to see, right? Why did he say three-stranded cord? Because not only is it people, but it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. has to be intertwined into your existence. So even though I brought Ben up as another person in the midst of this, I could even bring it on to the fact that says that Ben now represents the Godhead. What do you think is going to happen now? Because now the enemy's not wondering in the back of his head, I wonder if I can take him. The enemy's now going, holy smack, God just showed up. And I can't win this one. This one's got to be let go. I got to walk away from this. How many of you have had issues where you felt like you were fighting the enemy? Wave at me. That's me. Come on, work with me. 
You will always be in a fight as long as you show up by yourself. But when you show up with an army, the enemy gets really nervous. And he goes, hold up, time out. And I can show you instances in the Bible where God sent the sound of marching, marching uh, soldiers in to cause the enemy to run. And then they walked in and took everything back that was stolen. When you keep trying to do this thing on your own, God says, I can't, I can't. You, you, I put people around you on purpose. You were never intended to live this thing alone. And when the enemy comes in and tries to isolate you, it gives the enemy the win and defeats you and puts you back into a single mindset. You still want to go against these three? You don't want to anymore, do you? Why? But you got this. He said, nah, I'm good. Nah. The man of a few words. The great part is that one doesn't have to carry all the strength, but they share the load in order to overcome. It's time for you and I to become better together. Set the rope down. Pastor Ben, you can go to the keyboard because this is where I'm closing. Yes, I'm closing. I told you. I made up for how long I went last Sunday. Amen. But, but let me say this to you because it is good on paper. It is great when you start doing it. It is good when you can see it on paper. But it, is not, it hasn't achieved its greatness until you get up and do it. Watch this. I know that in this room, the battle of rejection and abandonment exists. Can I get an amen from somebody? The battle of being alone and wondering who your true friends are exists. Can I get an amen? The battle of wondering how tomorrow is going to look because you feel isolated and alone exists. Can I get an amen? And even when you're married, sometimes the enemy tries to make you think that you're still alone. And you wonder, why do I have to keep fighting this fight? And the problem is, is that your pride is destroying your success. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to bother you. No, you didn't want to tell me because you didn't want to be held accountable. I didn't want to tell you because, you know, I just figured I could do it by myself. Well, how's that working out for you in the words of Dr. Phil? Here's the great thing. Before Dr. Phil was Dr. God. And he gave us the answer. The answer to you being alone. The answer. And I'm not talking about, well, I'm single and I don't have a bride. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up. The reason you don't find a bride is because you're not confident in you yet. Or the reason you haven't found a husband is because you're not satisfied with you yet. Because let me help with something. You can't walk into a marriage broken because you'll just break the marriage. You got to let God heal you and then bring you into the right stand, bring you to that right place so that you can receive what God has for you. But there's this thing in us that, that oh, I'll never forget. I'll, I'll tell the story real quick. Uh, Tiff and I were dating and... Uh, I had a, a bank account. Y'all know money is always an issue in marriage. Amen. And, and, and had a little bit of money putting away in a, in a savings account. And Tiffany said to me politely one afternoon, she says, that's our money. Yo mama. You didn't work for that money. Now, we weren't married yet, so y'all bear with me for a second. The ring, the ring hadn't been got on the finger yet. We were still okay. And I remember it, it, it made me angry. And I remember saying this, and, and, and I'm, I'm putting myself out there. She did nothing wrong. It was all me. And I said, if that's how you feel, get out. Something in me wanted to protect me rather than protect us. 
And man, she got one step out the door and I went, ah, stop, what are you doing? Stupid, what are you thinking? But I had grown up being alone. And I was better at being alone than receiving the promise that God had placed right in front of me. I couldn't see past my own pains and my own hurts and my own disqualifications to see that God was trying to make me better by bringing me my bride. And if I really understood that I was better together, when she said that's ours, I'd have been like, you dang right it is. Because together we're better. And I, I, I was, man, I don't know about you, but I was good at isolation when I was a kid. And we grew up in a pretty tough home. And, and uh, I remember going in the house, walking through the house, grabbing food and heading to the bedroom, shut the door and live in my bedroom. Anybody ever did that? I, I did that a lot because I just didn't want, I didn't, I didn't care to be involved. I just was done. I'm, I'm good. I'll just live until I got to move out and then I'll go do my life and it is what it is and blah, blah, blah. And, I'd push away relationships and I'd push away friendships or I'd take on relationships that were not meant for me. <laughs> not at all. Like the Jezebels and the Delilahs of the world. Amen. Um, thank God my wife came when she did. Amen. And, um, and, 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 and I, would, I made all the wrong decisions. And listen, listen, jail was because I was alone. My, my time in jail was because I decided to be alone. Look, I went to church on Sundays. I lifted my hands in worship. I acted like I had a relationship with God. But truth be told is that when I went home on a Sunday afternoon, I was still alone. Because when God would tell me, Brian, you need to change this, I would just tell God, you need to go somewhere. I'll visit you on Sunday. That's my visitation day. Monday through Saturday, it's my job. It's my life. Leave me be. And I realized I was just living in existence, but yet claiming God in the middle of it. And nothing was panning out for me. Nothing was working. Everything was crumbling around me. And then God started to show me that there were people around me that were creating disease in my life. But then he started to show me that there were people that he had placed around me. And the funny thing was, was the people that God wanted me to have the relationships with were the people that didn't accept my mediocrity. The people that God wanted me to have relationships with were the ones that were willing to tell me what was real rather than just tell me what I wanted to hear. Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to help you with this one, really. I'm going I'm I'm to help you with this one. When we first came under Pastor Glenn, Pastor Glenn and I were sitting in his office one day. He asked this question. Now, I was a little bit heavier then, and he asked this question. He goes, how much fast food do you eat? <laughs> don't touch my food, bro. Don't do it. He goes, you need to stop. That's enough. Who do you think you are? Hold up. I'm coming under you to be my pastor. I didn't ask you to be my nutritionist. And I remember walking out to an event that was happening on the church grounds. He put his arm around me. He goes, you're mad at me, aren't you? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit right now. He goes, I'm only telling this because I love you. Because I don't want you to die. I didn't know how to receive that because no one had ever taken the moment to link up with me. They had always just taken the moment to point out my flaws. They didn't stay with me until I finished the race. They just called out the fact that I was losing the race and then sprinted past me. And so I didn't understand what it was like to have somebody in my life that would say, hey, I see this, but hey, I got you. I'm with you. 
I, and fast forward to, to, to uh, about, about a month ago, we, Pastor Glenn's mom passed away, and we were in Baton Rouge helping them clean out the house, and Judah went with me. That was during while they were doing in and out of school, so I let him take a day and come help me. He went to see Pastor Glenn, and so we went up to the house, and, and we were working, and my son has a, a love for Pastor Glenn, and I think the reason that is is because I didn't have a real strong dad growing up, and at that point of my life, when he came into my life five years ago, he became a father to me. And I think it helped me a lot. And he sees how much respect I have and how much love. And so it's trickled onto him. And so he wanted to see Pastor Glenn and wanted to love, hug on Pastor Glenn. And Pastor Glenn just loved on him. And he just said, hey, listen, no matter what happens in this lifetime, if you need anything, you call me. If you need something, you need advice on something, your dad can't give it to you, it's okay. Call me. We'll do it together. That wasn't superseding me. See, most men be like, are you trying to take my place as a dad? No. He came along and linked up with me. Therefore, he gets mine. Do you, do you see where I'm going? See, I don't invest in relationship that I don't take on the whole family. I don't take on a piece of it. I take the whole thing on. So then when, when someone's going through something, like somebody in the church and their spouse has been missing, I, I start to ask questions. Hey, not, why aren't they at church? That's the stupid question. The question is, hey, is everything good? Because I've been, I've been missing I just want to make sure everybody's okay because I love you and I miss you and I want you here because family's missing. We have to get better. We can't just keep coming to church and walking out of church and coming to church and walking out of church and ignoring each other. I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to take this one freely. Lulu, I'm so glad to have you back home this morning. Kim and I, I've asked you, Kim, like, okay, where's Lulu? You didn't even know it. How many months ago was the last time we saw each other? It's been a minute. But we don't forget. Because the ones God calls us to, we're connected to. And when one's missing, it matters. Heather, you weren't even in service last week. Adam got wrecked. But I think what wrecked Adam is because I looked at him and I said, Adam, you've been on my heart. Because at that moment, he was no longer alone. He realized he was part of something greater. Isn't that what our goal is, is to be part of something greater, not just exist, but to have family and to grow together and celebrate each other and walk with each other? Listen, if your person sitting next to you is going through a hardship, you're responsible to walk with them until they come out. Because if you choose not to, then you've abandoned the law of Christ. I didn't say you had to come in perfect. For the word says, come all ye that are weak and heavy laden. And this house and this family will be an Aaron and Ur that will give you rest until you finally succeed that victory over those that come to destroy you. It is time for you and I to tell the devil that we're done with being convinced that we're better off alone. It is time to come together so that we can become better. No more alone. We must stand together. There is no better time than right now than to do this. Everybody stand to your feet.